Hi, welcome to another episode of the Jaguar Podcast. I'm your host, Victor. I hope you're doing well. Like you already know, on this podcast, we talk about the lived experiences of Nigerians in the diaspora. And as always, I bring you new guests. On today's episode, I have a very wonderful old friend of mine, and I'm going to let her introduce herself. Hey, hi, Victor. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Yeah. I'm Kenny James, but of course, just feel free to call me Kenny. It's a lot, you know, easier for people. And I'm currently based in the UK. And yeah, what else? Yeah, I, think, I think that's pretty much fine. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you get yeah. to know me, you know, you know, a lot better as we speak. Yeah, sure. Now that you mentioned this, you said you're Kenny there and it's easier to call you Kenny. I remember one of my friends here. Whenever he introduces himself, especially to a white person, the first thing he says, I'm Kenny Debo, you can call me Kenny. I always find it very funny because he does this every time. Yeah, it's just a lot easier because people tend to get the pronunciation wrongly. And yeah, so it just makes it a lot easier for everyone, to be fair. I understand that. So what have you been up to? Oh, well, I've been up to a lot, to be fair. Um, I work as a customer financial solutions. I'm also an entrepreneur here in the UK because um, I also have like my own business. I sell on Amazon and eBay right here okay. in the UK. And yeah, I'm sure you are also aware my sister runs like she's the CEO of an entertainment company and I'm also a partner. So it's just a lot. I've been up to a lot, trust me. <laughs> Yeah, that sounds like a lot. I mean, you seem to be really doing the Nigerian thing when you move abroad, doing everything at the same time, just trying to make all the money. <laughs> well, honestly, it's not just a Nigerian thing in as much as, yeah, our business, you know, started all from Nigeria. We're also trying to integrate into, into the UK market and diaspora in general. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think I think that makes sense. Personally, I've also thought about maybe I would eventually get into one or two businesses, but I'm also like, what kind of business can I even start? You started one already. Here's your podcast. Well, you know? <laughs> at least it doesn't make money yet, but I see your point. <laughs> it would eventually do, you know, trust me, consistency is like key. So I'm sure you're on the right track, Victor. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. So let's get right into it. So how did your journey to the UK start? Oh, oh my God. It started from a place of what next for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the NTAS protest thing came up and, you know, everyone, I'm sure, not just me, we all had this, you know, um, anxiety, you know, panic. Fine, I was working with um, an advertising agency in Nigeria, that was after right after my NYSC. In fact, I did complete my NYSC with the company. I got retained. Yeah. Afterwards, I was like, yeah, what's next? It was so expensive, you know, considering um, masters, you know, in other countries, especially the UK. Yeah. Um, yeah. But basically, I was quite lucky because um, my long-term boyfriend back then he yeah. moved to the uk and yeah the it, the pendant thing was you know it was quite um yeah it was an option for me so i did move to the uk with him as a dependent oh nice yeah I, now that you mentioned the NSAS protest you know it's actually one of the things that 
I think made a lot of people decide to move. I mean, personally, I was already working towards my relocation because I wanted to do a master's. And then, well, you know how you are still in that, do I really want to do this phase? Am I sure about this? And then the answers happened. I was like, come whatever I may, I think I need a break from this country. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I listened to one of your podcasts and you did point that out. Yeah, I can imagine. It was stressful, to be fair. It was like witnessing that whole thing. It was, it was, was, I think it has to be one of the most heartbreaking things I've witnessed as a Nigerian, to be honest. I don't want to go there. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, let's not get into all of that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, Okay, so um, now, so which means you didn't go through the, from what I understand, you didn't go through the education route like most people do. No, I didn't go through uh, the education route because honestly, uh, my twin sister is also here, you know, doing her master's. It, yeah, it's quite expensive and it was just better to go with the other option, you know, getting closer to my uh, partner. Yeah. Yeah. And right now we're together, we're happy. And yeah, we've also, you know, saved a lot of money from <laughs> doing the master's, which I'll eventually do anyway. I'll still, you know, do my master's um, at the long run. But right now I can, you know, walk, develop my skills and yeah, save at the long side. Um, yeah, alongside. All right. That's nice. I mean, I think, thank God I actually have you because most of the people that have come to this podcast are people that went through the education route. So I think, you're going to also like kind of offer a different perspective. So in terms of work integration, so you moved. I what like okay, first of all, can you like how long did it take you to like find your first job after you moved? Hmm. So for me, because I didn't move as an international student, hence I knew that it was a lot, you know, there's a lot of learning to do. I need yeah. to do so much, you know, on learning, do my research. And I didn't have to learn the ad way, funny enough, because I was already doing my research alongside and I stayed very curious, meaning that, yes, I had the right information. I was moving with the right set of people. So it sort of, you know, helped my mindset. Yeah. Yeah. So as as soon as I moved in first back in Nigeria, I was already working as um, I had this part time job. I used to teach uh, English language as a second language to uh, citizens in Japan. So mm-hmm. as soon as I landed uh, in the UK, you know, tr- getting my BRP, settling in, I don't like the idol. So I immediately I started teaching back, you know, thanks to stable internet, you know, thanks to light, I didn't have anything to worry about. Yeah. And I, as soon as I started out, um, all my, uh, like my, you need a BRP to work and my BRP didn't even come not until like three weeks after but alongside I started submitting my CVs um, applying to the kind of jobs that I want I started applying yeah no yeah there were a few you know a few rejections here and there but I didn't give up I kept pushing in pushing in so within a month yeah four weeks I landed my first job though it wasn't really what I really wanted but I went there. I didn't like the, you know, this, um, what is it called? You know, working in the warehouse. I couldn't cope. It was physically demanding. Yes. <laughs> I left. I left. But um, with that little experience on my CV, because there's something called the UK experience. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm sure it's like everywhere. As soon as I had that UK experience with the warehouse, it was just three days. But immediately, I still went ahead to add it to my CV, regardless of what I did or what I didn't do. I included it in my CV. And that sort of, you know, helped me. I got, I landed my first job as a customer's, uh, it was a customer service role, to be fair. Okay. Yeah. And um, it was with an American company. But you worked from the UK? Yeah, I worked from the UK. They've also got a branch here in the UK, but okay. it was for, yeah, they've got branch branches in America, yeah, and Canada. Oh, fair. So I think you mentioned the warehouse thing. Luckily, I didn't have to do that, but I saw, I've also heard, even on Twitter, I've heard people talk about the first, I think when I heard people talk about that warehouse, I was like, it can't really be this bad. But also thought maybe for people to be saying, talking about the way it felt, maybe it's actually as bad. Then eventually I have a friend who did that. When she talks about it, she said she went for about a month and she had to stop. Like, it's crazy how physically tasking it can get. And it's interesting that people do that. And I mean, not to say, I mean, people, people's life is stamina and endurance vary because I imagine that if I had gone to do that kind of job time, I'd leave after the first day or something. <laughs> Because I might end up dropping dead, you know. <laughs> Trust me, it was that bad. I literally, like, you know, cried. And people were like, oh, what's wrong with this one? Even the manager, they told me that, oh, they're not going to give me shift again, that they're not sure, you know, this job is for me. And I do agree. Thanks, bye. I don't want to shift. <laughs> yeah, trust me, it really is demanding. But, of course, there are some people who, you know, who get their daily bread and, you know, their cash from that because yeah. they probably aren't, you know, fluent in English language and they're from, you know, other non-speaking countries, non-speaking English countries. And yeah. it does make sense for them if that's what they can um, lay their hands on at. Yeah. True, true, true. And so landing your first job, I imagine... Can you like try to draw a comparison between that experience and your experience working in Nigeria? Um, okay, it's very different. Here in the UK, okay, I'll start from Nigeria. In Nigeria, I was working um for an advertising agency. Yeah. Everyone sees yourself as, you know, friends. In as much as, yeah, we are there to work, but we are quite, you know, the, in Nigeria, we do have this close-knitted or, you know, the sense of community. Community, yes. Yeah, in Nigeria. As much as we're working, we're having fun. We try to balance everything. Yeah, and we still, um, of course, eat our targets, um, deliver at the right time, you know, just ensure that you're keeping your your job. You don't get to lose your job alongside because you're being lackadaisical or anything. But here in the UK, they're quite uptight. I'd say that your manager wants to know what you're doing at every, you know, second. They, they, they kind of like close monitor you. Yeah. In like in a, in a way. And your time is your time. You don't joke with, <laughs> you don't even joke with one minute. You don't joke with your, you know, with whatever you're doing, you tend to deliver. Yeah. And yeah, alongside they sort of another I'm gonna compare with Nigeria again. In Nigeria, find you're working, but they are not so much to like they don't have like sort of development plan for you. 
yeah, they don't have so much developmental package, you know, opportunities, promotion, ensuring that, yes, you can actually like grow in this business by um, sort of keeping you updated and yeah. making sure there are courses available that you can take and, uh, you know, whatever you want to do, you can, you know, whatever department you want to switch to, there are opportunities for you to like switch to this department or get this promotion that you want. But here in the UK, there's so much, you know, um, with the job with the job I initially did, that was my second job, we had like 30 minutes learning time. On this, you know, when you've got your 30 minutes learning time, you get to take so many courses. If you want to, you know, transfer to the HR department, there is a course for you to take on HR. If, you're, if you want to do anything on data analysis, there is a course available for you. So they sort of dedicate this 30 minutes to you learn and ensure that yes, in six months time after your probation, you can always switch your department. You can always um, take any opportunity that comes your way. Let me just say that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's um, quite interesting that you mentioned just two things because I mean, I worked in banking in Nigeria. I think I did a few things, but I think banking was the last job I did. And okay, I think it wasn't a banking job. It was the customer service role I did we had access to some courses, but it didn't seem like those courses, um, how do I explain it? They are not necessarily geared towards you learning skills that will help you switch from one unit to the other. They are just courses that they they paid for, for whatever reason. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, I understand. So you have access to it. And like in your case, you mentioned you have 30 minutes slots to take the course, which is part of your work time. Yeah. Nobody gives you that time. So it's something you take if you want to, otherwise you do not. And obviously because when you come to work, like in a place like Lagos, you come to work by eight, you're closing by four, you're getting home by seven mm-hmm. and you have to sleep by nine to be able to wake up by four. There's hardly any time to take those courses, to be honest. I can't imagine. Well, here in the UK, like based, based, I'm speaking from, you know, the job that I did then. Yeah, it was quite interesting because the managers were keen on us developing ourselves. It was crucial that we, you know, we took that course. And when you're done with it, we had to like leave feedbacks. Yeah, it was, it was, it did help me in so many ways, to be fair. Yeah, I think I think that makes sense. And another point you mentioned was the the community that you see at work. I don't even listen to I said what I said podcast. At the time they were talking about how people share Okuruko, stockfish and things like that at work. I didn't in know Nigeria? that people did it in private organizations, but I know in public organizations like civil service, it's very common. They have corporate societies. At least I know, I think I have people that are close to me that were able to even build houses, buy cars from the money they were able to get from these corporate societies that exist in the workplace. Mm. From my experience in Germany, when you're at work, you should be working. You shouldn't have any one minute to talk to anybody. You should be working, which is why I, I mostly listen to podcasts when I work because it's like I'm here by myself and I have to find something to fill the gap. In Nigeria, you're, you're typing on your system, you're making a joke with your colleague and you're still doing the work. I don't know if that makes sense. Of course, I can relate to it. Yeah, and for me, it feels kind of strange because at some point, for someone who is a black person in an office, everybody is white. Even though I, I know it's not because it's not just me. Sometimes you even I find myself trying to internalize it, thinking maybe these people don't like me. That's why they are not cool. But the truth <laughs> is, it's not just me. It's the fact that 
they're not talking to anybody else. Everybody yeah. is just in their system, doing their work. My boss does their check-in. What are you working on? Have you done this? Blah, blah, blah. And we go for lunch. When we go for lunch, that's when we talk. What did you do the last weekend? What is your plan for the next weekend? You know, things like that. Yeah. But other than those moments, you should be working. And I tell you, I find it very strange, to be honest. <laughs> I can relate. Um, The work culture here is just... It's an individualistic, you know, system, not yeah. even just the work, the, you know, the living community. I kid you not, I've been in my um, apartment for over six or seven months. I don't even know my next door neighbor, like just right opposite me here. So it's like an individualistic system as compared to, you know, um, Africa in general, where we've got the like, you know, the close knitted community. You know, there's the sense of belonging, sense of connection that we yeah. all do. Yeah. But it's it's I can say I can say the same for the UK or for my work um culture and everything. Because same here, like sort of in in like in some ways it also sort of made me even more I used to be introverted back in Nigeria. Even right now I'll say I'm even more introverted because even at work, I don't even care anymore. Like I go in, do my job, smile and you know, um yeah. I'm out. I don't even want anybody to like, you know, bother me. <laughs> it's something I've grown used, I've grown used to it already. And I can't even help but yeah, just I'm here. I want to do my job and I want to close and just leave. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Now, yeah. so now that you came, you worked in you're working in a, an environment that seems to be the opposite of where you worked previously. Are there like any particular steps you've taken to kind of help yourself get accustomed to the new system of work or to the new work culture? Well, I'll say one thing that really, you know, changed my trajectory was, um, you know, how I've, you know, thought and the way I sort of processed the system here. I knew it was very, like, you know, different and it was important that I do a lot of learning in order to get my desired job, in order to, you know, stay at my, in order to be able to keep my job, get promoted and climb up that ladder. Because to be fair, I'm not really where I want to be now in point, at the point of my career. But over the time, I've taken loads of, you know, courses, I've seek help, like in terms of professionally, people that are doing so well here in the UK, I've, you know, spoken to them because mindset is very important. Sure. You see people that, yeah, here in the UK, there's this popular job, it's like a care job. Yeah. Meaning... I don't know what they do. I've never done it before. I don't even have interest in it. But most people think that, yeah, when you come to the UK, you think the only thing available is like, yeah, you've got to do a care job. You've got to do a support work. I don't think it's the case. I don't, it's not the case, to be fair, because even back in Nigeria, I was already um, a qualified chartered accountant. And as soon as I got here, I knew that, yes, I needed to find my way into the financial space, regardless of where I'm going to be starting. I knew what I wanted. Yeah. So taking these courses, you know, speaking to the right set of people, because at the long run, the set of people you connect yourself with or the set of people you mingle with, they'll either make you or my you sure. yeah so I've tried as much as possible to connect myself with the right set of people and this has sort of helped me even to my current job now I now work in a financial sector here in the here in the UK and I still try as much as possible to always like yeah I want to upscale myself like at every point in time so yeah. that has really really helped me learning 
you know, connecting myself to the right set of people, the right mindsets has sort of, you know, helped me a lot. Yeah. I think I think it's interesting you mentioned the whole thing about um, how people think that when you go abroad, that there are certain jobs that you can only have access to, cleaning jobs, um, maybe care jobs. The other funny thing is, the first time I was told that I had to, I think I was, I was in the investment when my family mentioned to me that they want me to travel abroad for my studies. And I was told the plan was to sponsor, pay the fees for at least one semester, pay accommodation for a few months, and then I'll start get, I'll get a job. Just the first night I thought, so I'll leave and I'll go and be doing all of those things because in my head that was the only thing I knew that was the right job. And this is not to say that I I think those jobs are not people shouldn't do them, but it's also the fact that you know when you're a Nigerian, those jobs are menial jobs as far as you're concerned and yeah. when you have certain experiences you're also like you think you're thinking what does that say of me if I begin to do those kind of jobs but of course now that I'm also here I'm also realizing that in like in Germany for instance even if you do any of those jobs you get at least a minimum wage that is enough to take care of yourself yeah so and even my attitude to those kind of jobs has changed but it's also the fact that I moved from a place where I thought that was the only kind of job I could have when I move abroad to also realizing that I can have corporate jobs if that is what I'm interested in absolutely so no disrespect at all to people who are in that sort of field they are essential workers we need people to do those jobs but it is easier to get stuck in what you don't like if you really love them if you're happy you know with the job why not go for it regardless of you know minimum wage or if it makes you happy if it feeds you if it feeds your family then so be it but if you're not happy and it sort of affects your mental health. It's not where you really want to, you know, it's not what you really want to do. Then work to become or, you know, put in the effort to eventually integrate into where you want to be because it is easier to get stuck in the in those kind of jobs. Let me just say that because they are, they are easier and you, yeah. Some people is just, I don't know, is this... um I don't know, it's called something syndrome. Stockholm <laughs> syndrome. Sorry? Is this Stockholm? It's not even Stockholm syndrome. I'll just remember that later anyway. It's easier to sort of feel that, yes, I'm not good enough. Yes. Yeah. So that's the thing I was trying to basically say. How some people think, you know, when you think that's really not available, you don't even aim. So there's no motivation to try to do anything more. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, of course it does. Because I met someone here in Germany she came, she tried the corporate job, she didn't get it and she stopped because the people, everybody around her was saying that, that she she couldn't get it. So eventually when she met one of my friends, okay, she met someone else that told her that it was possible to do that. So this person, she met the person that did her job. So the person that was also doing it as an extra job, does that make she has, he has a corporate job and also had that um, mini-hard job as an extra. So yeah. the person was actually one that told her again that she could actually try harder and eventually, she, not long after, she met one of my friends who's also like working a corporate job. That's when she got to realize that, okay, she actually could do this. At least she's met two Nigerians who work corporate jobs. And she went back to searching. And eventually, she found something. Mm-hmm. So the thing is, it's not the worst of things to do. It can also be a transition job that you're doing for a part-time just to make yeah. ends meet. But it's also the fact that you should be open to the idea that you could find so much more. You could do a whole lot more not just coming, moving abroad to do care or any kind of service. Just be open-minded to the fact that there are so many more opportunities. 
Absolutely, I I can agree more. So it's called imposter syndrome when you think that oh, yeah, you know, yeah. yeah, you're not good enough, or that's just the fear of trying something. You the, the fear of you know challenging yourself, and that's what I try to do as much as possible. Just challenge myself, do something, you know, just beyond. Yeah. Yeah, I think that makes sense. And you also mentioned the whole thing about learning new skills. I think maybe you you, you started quite earlier than I did, but I think for milk because also I think maybe. I I could I, I took solace in the fact I was studying, so okay. it's kind of easier for me to not really understand what's out there. But as I'm getting closer to the end of my studies, I'm also realizing that maybe some of the skills I had from Nigeria is not enough in the economy in the country that I found myself, and which is why I'm like doing a course right now, and I've already decided the next course I'm going to do after because it's like I have to upscale as fast as possible. Because I'm seeing job opportunities that don't exist in Nigeria. I'm seeing roles that I know I could fill in, but also because I don't have this skill set or the other. So it's like I'm trying to like brush up all the skills I can just to make myself more employable in this in in a, in, in a bigger economy. If if that makes sense, I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, of course, it does make sense. And you're not, you're not alone. We all feel the same way, to be fair, because it's just quite different here. The skills that you've got from Nigeria, it might not be 100% applicable here. So we've got to, like, you know, upscale. And, yeah, the demand is quite high. And what else? We just got to keep learning. You saying that, yeah, I started quite early. <laughs> you're doing just fine i'm sure the skills that you've got i don't have them you know it's we are not all equal that's just the truth and likewise myself now in as much as i am you know i've got like uh, this good job i still want something very better and even right now i'm also you know trying to upscale myself even to a you know bigger and um, a better level so it's just like an on ending learning for us all we just got to keep you know um upscaling ourselves learning and relearning if that makes sense. Yeah, true. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. I was going to, I think I wanted to ask something about productivity in terms of like when you got into the into UK initially, did you find that you were more productive or less productive because it was a different work culture? What do you think about that? Well, in terms of uh, productivity, I would say, yes, I was more productive here in the UK, considering that we've got, you know, um, stable light. Everyone is up and running no one is like lagging behind and when it comes to the management the management themselves they've got who to report to they've got to report to their own superior so the managers are like always on your neck because the the superior also always on their own you know neck as well and here in the uk they say time is money you're paid per hour so there's no really time to lag or, you know, yeah, everyone is up on their game. There's hardly any time to breathe or rest. And it's sort of, at some point, it's so scary and you just feel like everything you're just doing revolves around, you know, just walking, walking. At times, that's why I just, you know, book holidays. I just want to run <laughs> off at this half because I miss Nigeria. I miss Nigeria, to be fair, because... We don't walk like that, come on. Like, we love to have fun. We love to enjoy ourselves, have a good time. True. And of course, when I, you're working and you're talking and you're gisting, sometimes it makes the work look, look less than they are, to be honest. 
Mm-hmm. I understand that. So I miss Nigeria, to be fair, when it comes to, you know, that fun, that flexibility, that, you know, that, that subtleness. It's, it's in Nigeria. It's something that we don't have here in the UK. Everyone yeah. literally walking their ass off. Even the whites, like, they, they complain as well that, oh, my God, they're just walking their butts off and they don't even have time to breathe. And, yeah, it's it's intense, to be fair. If I had my way, I want that life, that fun life in Nigeria. I want that here in the Like UK. the life where you work Monday to Friday and then Saturday you are, you are, you are, you are in an O-Wambe. <laughs> I literally almost opted out for this podcast because I woke up as early as 7.15. I walked from home today anyway. I didn't go to the office. Yeah. When I wake up 7.15, I just want to like walk, make sure like just walk around the house to just ensure that, yeah, I'm active before I get into work. Yeah. Imagine me waking up at 7.15 and immediately 5.30, um, you know, I just finished work and I'm jumping on a podcast right after <laughs> it, I can imagine yeah. I'm sorry about that now we talk about you trying to be active is that, was that something you picked up here in Europe or was that in Nigerian was that something you also did back in Nigeria okay uh, I'm gonna t- okay go ahead sorry no I was going yeah because I'm, I'm asking because I think I don't know how it is in the UK because I've never been but in Germany I see people are very much more active than I see in Nigeria and it's it can put some pressure on people it could be good pressure, also bad pressure. You know what I mean? Uh, do you mean the healthy, like working out? What sort of activeness do you... Yes, mean? that kind of activeness, working out, being more conscious about your health, yeah. Okay. Uh, f- me as a person, I've always uh, been like a health enthusiast. Okay. Um, back in Nigeria, I've always like, you know, um, I always want to eat the gym. I always want to swim, just do basic exercise. Yeah. And when I got here, I realized that we spend so much time working and we don't even take care of our health. In Nigeria, we've got so much, you know, fresh foods, the vegetables, like, you know, really healthy things as compared to here when it's, it's so easy I have to get stuck on the junks, you know, on healthy meals and all. Yeah. So I ensure that I sort of work out. I even had to like, and I realized I sitting down for too long because most of the time, if I'm not working in the office, I'm working at home. At home, yeah where you've got just 30 minutes break for like you're walking say nine hours you've got 30 minutes break and 15 minutes in between you spend so much time sitting and there is no flow of blood it can even affect your health yeah at some point my legs started acting funny you know i had to buy a treadmill (laughs) (laughs) yeah so for me i think back in nigeria i mean so what i used to do is i only work when i have a full-time job (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's always my work I, I work out okay, because I think the first time I worked in Lagos was my first job and I realized after like a week of doing that job I could barely move myself I mean you know how Lagos is you wake up by four leave the house by 5 30 get to work by eight you get back by seven and because I've worked for a fitness coach before, so I kind of knew the benefit of um, exercising. So when I realized I started feeling heavy, I started working out. So eventually it became a routine I did only when I have a full-time job. Like the time I was out of work, I stopped working. <laughs> yeah. And when I came to Europe too, at first I did I, I, I for like two or three months before I got a job. Mm-hmm. It's been like I got my job. I got back to working, working out rather. And to be honest, like you mentioned, it's a lot of sitting down. It's a lot of 
not being active. And for me, I commute if I, if I go to work, it's like a 45 one hour uh, one hour commute. And you're seated all through this ride. You're coming back home again, tired, possibly um dozing off at intervals, and you come back and you just want to eat. So, which is why for me, I kind of made it like a habit. Whenever I wake up in the morning, at least 30 minutes is dedicated to exercises. And for the days I work from home, I go on a walk after my job. Like once I'm done, I apply my sunscreen, I'm out. Because I think it's important to kind of keep a healthy lifestyle. Yeah, so back to the work culture anyway. (laughs) Absolutely, I can relate. We are trying to keep active in the morning. So I just kind of wanted to because... In a, I think here, also there's this pressure to like be fit because if you step out of the house, like around, it's almost 8 p.m. If I go out now, before I walk 100 meters, I'm going to see about 10 people jogging, walking, getting involved, cycling, getting involved in some physical activity. You see people going to the gym. In Nigeria, people don't engage in that lot of physical activity and for someone who is new to it it could become you could also almost begin to feel like you're not doing enough if that makes sense yeah i totally understand that for it's, it's one of those things it's everyone i think we're not we're now more knowledgeable in nigeria i tend to see people working out more now because everyone of course knows uh the positive that comes with staying fit yeah. Yeah. So I think people are catching up. People, people are trying to live healthy. You know, so True. we'll eventually get there. Along, you will we'll get there one way or the other. True. Yeah. So back to the work culture. So of course, there's this other pressure for Nigerians who live in the diaspora who work. The pressure to make money as fast as possible, send back home, and things like that. How do you think that affects your attitude to work? Or oh, wow. working, or maybe money make making money, or saving, or whatever. Uh, that's um, <laughs> that's I don't know. That's sort of a difficult question. It's very subjective. Most people came as an international student. I don't know how is it for them. Some may have you know taken out loans to you know probably sponsor their education we all have it differently so I can't really speak for other people and yep we all know how sort of hard it is in Nigeria when if you're not from you know the so-called middle class or upper class when your family you know they bring you abroad or yet they eventually sponsor you to come study abroad they expect you to you know give back or sort of support them in one way or the other so I can't really you know speak in that area to be fair <laughs> I can't really speak in that area but for myself I'm just going to speak for my own self yes mm-hmm. I didn't come as a student like I said and me walking you know I yeah I send money back home to my mom <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna yeah I'm not gonna you know hide that I know not because she probably like asks me my mom is now retired and you just expect that yeah even giving to your you know your younger siblings yeah everyone is happy because they expect that yes you're in the abroad you know you got to send something even if they're not asking I don't even you know I've got a younger sister she's never asked me but I ensure that yes monthly I sort of give her these my mom as well and you know it's just what we've got to do we don't like I don't know we 
we really don't have a choice, do we? They are in Nigeria. No, we don't. <laughs> yeah, things are so expensive now. You know, the petrol, and they sort of look up to us, if you know what I mean. So that area, don't even like. It's like a gray area. I don't want to go. I don't want to talk about that. But when it comes to you know you saving abroad, I feel like it's very easier for for people to get carried away. True. Yeah, it's easy for people to get carried away. You know, there are so many luxuries. You want to buy these, get the latest cars, get the latest designers uh, and all. And there are so many discounts. Mm. <laughs> I try as much as possible to look away. And I feel like um we can't really speak for people. Is their money whatever way they want to, you know, use mm. that. But for myself, I try as much as possible to, you know, have like a budget because I'm in the financial sector. I know so, so much about debt. I, I'm here abroad. I don't want to be in debt. I mm. want to build, build a very, you know, good credit history. And so I just sort of live on a budget. I've got like a finance, like a, you know, an Excel sheet that helps me track my income, my outgoings and, you know, yeah and that has really like helped me even in my saving objective or my saving goals yeah i think that makes sense that you really answer the question in that way because i mean people's experiences are different based on how they come and their family the family they come from because i think i had i used to have this close friend he makes he used to make like twice the money i made back in nigeria but at the end of every month he was coming for me to to ask for loan and wow. it's because he had more pressure. There were family bills to pay. I didn't have any of those. Okay. Even though I sent money, because me I stay working, I send money to my mom every month and maybe sometimes to my younger sisters. But it's still not something I had to do. It's something I do because I wanted to. But for him, it was something he had to do. Hmm. So which meant he was running out of money fast. Like what usually at the time when we we're very close, when I was making my budget, I was making budgets, knowing that I'm going to send him X, Y, Z amount every month. Okay. Because he was going to ask and he was going to pay back when he said he was going to pay back. So sometimes okay. people's experiences also go a long way to affect how they they deal with that pressure to be that Nigerian child who take care of their parents. Yeah. And you mentioned things got, getting more expensive. Like anytime I speak to my mom, I even, yeah. it kind of compels me to say something, even, even if yeah. I had not planned to, because... She's talking about how things are suddenly too expensive. It's like, yeah. you don't even keep track. You know, sometimes, because I've not been there for over a year now, even when I hear the price of things, I'm always like, what? Mm, I can and imagine. It's, it's all of that. But of course, yeah, I think it makes sense how you approach that question. It's like talking from experience where it's like, it's something you do because you want to do them, not necessarily because it's compulsory. Yeah, it's I'm compulsory obligated to. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think we've talked a lot about this work culture. So now in terms of um how do I phrase it now? So based on your experience now, would you I'm trying to basically figure out if you have ever considered maybe moving back to Nigeria and how do you think it's going to be for you adapting back to Nigerian culture should you move back? Okay. Having worked out of Nigeria for a while now. Awesome. Uh, that's a brilliant question. Um, I do miss Nigeria a lot. I want to visit, you know, real soon because it's been like, you know, two years since I last visited Nigeria. I miss the food. I miss the people. But of course, if I eventually have to go back to Nigeria, I say, yeah, okay, I don't have like 
yeah, if I eventually have to go back to Nigeria, I I believe that with the skills set, with the skill set that I've been able to gather from, you know, the United Kingdom, my level of experience and how, you know, positive I'm still working towards upskilling myself. Yeah. I believe if I eventually move to Nigeria, I'll do just fine for myself. Okay. I'll probably still, you know, work for an international company, to be fair, if I eventually move to Nigeria. That's if I move. But at the moment, I am not planning now yeah. to move to Nigeria. And that's because, you know, things have gone so expensive. Sure. Yeah, things have gone so expensive. The fuel, you know, issues. I just feel like some things need to be, you know, sorted. I need to be very prepared if I eventually have to like, you know, move to Nigeria. And in terms of the, you know, the working culture, it's going to be totally, you know, strange moving back because I'll probably be very, if I eventually, you know, become a manager in Nigeria, I'll be so uptight, like, okay, you there, what are you doing? You can't be working. Well, you starting in this office. Can't you just work? <laughs> yeah, you can't be working. You know, I'm on Teams. I'm like, you know, yeah, what is going on here? <laughs> and it's going to be so weird for them. Like, hey, give us a break. <laughs> but it's going to be different, to be fair, because here, you know, you got to walk. You just, you, there can't be any dull moments. You have to ensure that, yes, you deliver on whatever tasks you've been assigned to. Great. So it's going to be different. But right now, I'm actually not planning, planning. But if I eventually have to do, you know, if I eventually have to move to Nigeria, and I have, <laughs> <laughs> I have to but at the same time you're, you know there are people doing so well in Nigeria let's true, not hide that fact yeah true. yeah but I, th- I think it's going to like be different totally different because especially if you work in a place like Lagos where you also have to start dealing with the traffic and Man, like, you they also sure you up too uptight for the people around and it's not because you're trying to be but that's because you've like gotten used to this culture where it seems like people are uptight. Mm-hmm. And if I eventually have to work in Nigeria, it has to be maybe mostly like, you know, fully remote. I'll just be in the office one, you know, just one day a week because I can't deal with the Lagos traffic. I've said it. If I move to Nigeria, it can't be Lagos anymore. It cannot be Lagos. <laughs> Why not? Lagos is like, you know. Yeah, yes, the the traffic. Place. It drives me nuts. <laughs> I know it's 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 a lot. Yeah, I think I think that makes sense. But I think we've, I think we've covered most things we should cover about this work culture topic. What do you think? Yeah, I believe one of the like major key takeaways is just surround yourself with optimistic people, and don't limit yourself. You can get whatever job that you desire. You can get that dream job. You can get that sponsorship. You can the the opportunities are like they're endless. You can achieve what you set your mind to achieve. Just have the right mindset, connect with the right people, you know, drop that CVs on LinkedIn, reach out to employers. That's one thing I also do. Once I, you know, I apply for a job, I'm, I immediately take up the phone, call these employers, have a word with them. And yeah. And yeah, also in terms of, you know, um, entrepreneurship opportunities as well. You've also got entrepreneurship opportunities here abroad. Yeah, so just take all the opportunities as it comes, I believe. All right. I think, I think, sorry, I think I may have to ask another question right now. Mm-hmm. You mentioned something about calling the employers. You know, I've always people talk about it on Insta, on LinkedIn. I'm always wondering, how does that conversation go? Because I've never done that before. 
can you like try to paint a scenario? Like if you if you apply for a job and call an employer, how is that conversation supposed to go? Yeah, hello, I'm Kenny. Am I? I don't know. Most of the time, their names may be in the email. Am I speaking to blah blah blah? Like I mentioned their name. He says, "Oh yes, I saw this job on LinkedIn, and I've just um, submitted my CV. Have you received it? If they have, if they haven't received it, yeah, okay. Um, yeah, just I'm applying for this role. I've got these skills. Like just that, like one minute elevator pitch. Okay." Sort of, and yeah, if they're saying that, yeah, don't worry, I'll review your CV and give you a call afterwards. Yeah, that works. So I think it's just something along that line, to be fair. All right, and it's, it doesn't because from what I've seen, feedback I've seen on social media, it seems to increase people's chances. It does because one thing here in the UK, at times, it's not even your experience that makes you get this job. It's more of like your personality. That's why here, once you submit your CV, they're going to give you a call. They want to know if you're able to communicate. True. I think I think that makes sense. Yeah, as long as you're able to communicate, you stand like, you know, they're definitely going to give you that audience. You, you get that interviews. At times, I've even had to, like, you know, turn down, like, you know, jobs like, okay, I'm not doing this job. But just yeah, after passing the CV, uh, sorry, after passing the interviews, you know, okay, this is resumption time. I'm like, I just, you know, ghost them. Like, okay, hold your job. I'm not interested. Like, do you get? Yeah, I understand that. Yeah, so it's just it's just a lot easier once you, you know, give them a ring or they call you and you that one minute elevator pitch before your interview is scheduled is sort of, you know, says a lot. It can, you know, it can make you or, you know, it just gives you that opportunity to be fair. All right. I think that makes sense. And I was going to I was going to ask you the advice to give people who are applying to move to the UK, but I think that last thing you said kind of covered all of that, right? Indeed. Absolutely, you did. Yeah. Yeah, thank you very much for creating the time, even though it's like been a very stressful day for you. And I really appreciate it. It's been an incredible time with you, Victor. And I hope to be on your podcast again. Hopefully, we'll be talking about something, yeah, more interesting. Yeah, we should definitely do that. We should definitely do that. Yeah. All right. So, thank you very much for joining us on this episode of the Jackpot Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it and learned one or two things. Please remember to follow, subscribe, like, share, and have it. Enjoy the rest of your day. Bye bye. Bye, guys.